Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we usually go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Uh, today we've got a very special bonus episode where we're changing things up a bit and we're actually discussing the upcoming Oscars, um, especially considering Netflix have two original films nominated for Best Picture, The Power of the Dog and Don't Look Up. So I'm Jesse and as always I'm here with MJ. Hello. Hey Jesse. Yeah, I think... Um... I do like the fact that we've got, got Power of Dog and Don't Look Up in there just basically to masquerade for the fact that we want to have a chat about the Oscars uh, and we have a, a strictly Netflix podcast and uh, that's our angle, I guess. But I don't think we're going to be talking about them as much as we're going to be talking about everything else. It's quite liberating in a sense to be able to chat about all these films that are on Netflix. True. It's a very high chance that uh, some of our favourites probably aren't going to be the Netflix ones, but... It'll be interesting this year to see how the Academy actually goes because realistically, the other big Netflix films that we've seen nominated for awards haven't really picked up any of the big awards yet. Um, mm. I guess the, the biggest one was Roma a couple of years ago that you know had had the run and, and had that um, Alphonse Quran behind it. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they, Did where they go with it. Did he win Best Director though? Did he win Best Director? Did I even get the right director? I think I got the right director. Okay. Yeah, no, you did. You did. I, 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 I could be wrong. I feel like he might have won Best Director, though. Obviously, he didn't win Best Picture. But, um, yeah. And that, that's the one that, that Netflix desperately want. And from oh, yeah. what I can gather, like, LA, California is blanketed in billboards and posters for um, Power of the Dog because Netflix has got that money that they're, they're putting into it and they're desperate to get one of these awards. But yeah, I don't know whether the Academy are, are ready to sort of uh, switch directions and go, hey, we're, we're going to reward the, the streaming service when we're so focused on theatrical releases. It is so funny. I mean, the amount of conversations I've seen recently about people not wanting particular films to win Best Picture because historically that can really taint that movie. I was reading an interesting thread the other day, people talking about what was the uh, what was the movie that you really enjoyed and then it won Best Picture and it sort of became like, oh, that movie wasn't good enough to win Best Picture, so it actually wasn't that good, but it was still a good movie in its own right. And I, it's funny that it, it's like, oh, well, if the Academy likes it, it's probably not that good. And, and, and that I feel like Parasite absolutely shattered that myth. Um, and, and basically since Parasite, we've had these weird COVID years. So it's, it's interesting to see whether that's a, a full correction or, um, or we're going to go back to more of what we wanted to do. But I'm actually excited, A, because this is the first time you and I have actually had a proper chat to, about, you know, the Oscars. We, we sort of chat intermittently here and there, exchange a few texts and whatnot when we see a movie, but to actually talk about it. But B, this is the first year I've actually watched all 10 of the, of the nominated films for Best Picture. I topped it off yesterday. I finished with uh, West Side Story, which is very conveniently just came out on Disney plus here in Australia, which was, which was nice. Um, but that I, I feel like I'm actually going into the Oscars well armed with, uh, with my own opinions. And when I see someone win an award for something and I haven't seen the movie, I'm like, well, I can't get annoyed or, or <laughs> I can't appreciate. It. I don't know. So it, it's nice to be uh, well armed. Yes. I completely agree. I think that I'm exactly the same. This is the, you know, always try every year. Like I want to try and get to them and, and at various stages, it's quite difficult to, to access some of these yeah. films. And uh, there's a couple with some of the, the acting categories that we'll look at later that uh, it's been difficult to, to access. And I'm upset that there's some films that I haven't been able to see. But I think uh, this year, especially with your Disney Pluses, with your Netflix, with your all your streaming services that are, have been willing to, to get 
this content out rather quick. The turnaround has been crazy mm. fast with a lot of mm. uh, theatrical releases, obviously adapting to to the, the pandemic and how the world's running and, and how people are accessing films. So um, it has made it a lot easier this year to, to see a few of these. Yeah, it's very true. And look, you, you've done better than I have with some of the, it's mainly the, the best actress category I've noticed is uh, a little bit, little bit more obscure with those films. Uh, I think I, I did missed a, a few. Did a mad, I did a mad rush the last uh, couple of days to, <laughs> notice, to give myself some notice. context. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? The, well, obviously, we want, we want to get to the the crux of this whole conversation by talking about our, the best picture for films, but what I wanted to do was before we actually get to that, let's go through some of the main categories. Now, we're no experts, so I, I think it's silly for us to go through things like editing and sound mixing and a few of the more obscure ones that I just don't feel like we are well-equipped enough to, uh, to discuss. But some of the main categories, let's, let's chat through who, not who we think will win, because so often a favourite in the Oscars paying a dollar and five cents often gets up but who, who if we if we had to choose if we were voting who would we vote for but also in every single category jesse i want you to give me at least one that wasn't nominated that you thought well not whether it should have won or should be nominated but what you thought you know you want to give a, an honorable mention to so we're going to start with best director so we've got kenneth branner belfast Ryosuke hamaguchi drive my car paul thomas anderson licorice pizza jane campion power the dog Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. So there's five movies we're probably going to talk about a little bit in the next, in the rest of the podcast. But out of those, you know, I even might not be an easy win for you, but who do you think, who do you, who do you think is the best director this year? It's a really tough question because this is, this is one of the ones that I think that I, I want to go with the favorite and that is uh, Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. I think that the ability to create such an impactful film during that pandemic and not only, you know, take the whole cast and crew to New Zealand to make this film, but then have a lockdown in New Zealand, which meant most of the people went back to their separate ways to homes, then bring them all back again to get this finished um, and be able to transfer the, the New Zealand countryside into what effectively mm. can stand in for Montana um, in America as well as some excellent performances. And, and it's, I, I hadn't read the book, so I didn't know the story, didn't know the novel, didn't know the twist. And, and from what I can gather, if, if you did know the story, you're sort of sitting there waiting for the, the twist to happen at the end, which is 100% okay if, if, you, if you understand it. But for me, going in cold and seeing what she was able to do, and obviously it's not like, you know, this is where you can discuss or talk theory and, and be like, you know, the director's the, the creative control over a film, but with the people that she was able to work with, especially with the sound, the, the music and, and some of the editing in this in this film, I think it's just as an overall package for what we see on the screen, even though, and we talked about films, this, this might not be my favourite film of the year, I think that she deserves to be acknowledged for, for what she's done uh, with this film. That would be my take on that one. Pretty bloody hard to argue that one. And to be honest, I checked this before. I didn't actually know. Jane Campion is paying a dollar and three cents to, to win Best Director. Um, after that, three of them are on twenty-one dollars. So that's, that's the that's the gulf between first and second. So she's she's looking all right for, for winning the award. Well, in saying um, that, though, in saying that though, there, there's been a few controversies. Like you know, obviously, all these directors are on the the campaign at the moment, and you know, they did a big table uh, discussion, all five of them, the other day for about two hours where they sort of, you know, everyone was bowing down to Spielberg a bit and she sort of turned the tables a bit. And, um, you know, she's dealt well with the controversy with some homophobic comments from from other actors. And unfortunately, I think recently one of the the, the 
press conferences, she sort of made some comments in regards to um, to King Richard and, and the Williams sisters that, that sort of come across as a little bit racist. So who knows? Like, I think the voting closes in the next 24 hours or so. And if the, the last minute voters have sort of been offended by that, who knows? But I guess at the end of the day, while the Oscars are becoming a bit more diverse, I think the majority is still uh, middle-aged white men. So uh, I don't know if that's going to impact the voting. It was a very strange decision for her. I, I kind of get she wanted to make the point about how difficult it is to be a woman in Hollywood and she's done it for a very, very long time. So she's well-versed to make have that opinion. She went about it the wrong way and I think she probably realised it as soon as those words slipped out of her mouth. But mm. look, everything you say about Jane Campion feels right. I'm personally going to give my vote to Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. And, and I think his ability to create a three-hour movie that just felt so entirely in control through every single scene, through every piece of dialogue. It, it felt like a man who has just created an absolute masterpiece and he is probably not going to win the Oscar, but from, from that perspective, for me, that, that direction was just, was just as close to flawless as I can see. So I, I'd, I'd give him my vote in, uh, in, year 2021 i know it's 2021 it's uh ryosuke hamaguchi for me but yeah, i agree i think excellent film and uh so exceptionally well done with uh obviously lots of planning involved in that and you know the ability for as we saw with parasite a couple of years ago the ability to you know film can be a universal language who cares if there's some subtitles along the bottom the, the visuals and the ability to create an emotion such an emotional piece and and tell such an impactful story over three hours, like you mentioned. Um, excellent job, too. Yeah. So there's five brilliant directors in that category. Is there anyone that you were like, oh, man, and it's hard to say they were stiff to miss out because, as I said, they are five great directors. But if you could slip one more in, if it was a six-team category, who would you who would you have chucked in for this year? That's, that's a real tricky one. Um, I, I really... A lot like looking at films that I enjoyed this year that aren't necessarily on on the the award circuit, I guess. And I'm not. I'll, I'll stick with something that I guess includes some acting categories here. But I think um, Sorkin with being the Ricardos, and I only just watched this recently. That that piece was, so, and I know he was nominated last year for the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Seven. So, um, and so I know, you know, sometimes you don't see directors nominated back to back. And I know the, the, the critical reception for this was a little bit mediocre, but what he did with that film and what do they call it? The walk and talk of um, Aaron Sorkin, where you have the characters that, that walk across the screen to, to have a conversation, to, to dump the plot. And then when they stop, it's when they have those, those impactful things that they want the audience to focus on. And, and his ability to, to do that and, and tell a story that's a historical piece in such an engaging way was, was excellent. And I know that's probably a little bit off centre and off field, but uh, that's what I'm going with. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm going to put my hand up and say being Ricardo's is a gap in my knowledge right now. Yeah. Um, and that will come up again in some of these categories. <laughs> but uh, you, you certainly piqued my Not that I didn't want to see it. It hasn't been very accessible for us at the moment, but I would like to uh, to get around to it. It's on I'm Amazon. I'm going to go. If you need it's it. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to go with a pretty boring choice because this movie will feature a lot more in, in the Oscars discussion. But... For me, it's it's Sean Heater who directed Coda, who actually also directed Tallulah, which we did in our very early days on this podcast. Um, <laughs> look, for me, Coda is the sort of story that wouldn't have really jumped off the page when you're reading that screenplay. 
And for her to navigate that script and and give it so much heart and so much feeling and make you care so much about these characters um, is an absolute credit. And look, if I'm being honest, I don't think she should win the category, but she, she's my honourable mention to sneak, sneak in there. And I look, there'd be so many um, difficulties as well trying to direct people who are, who are deaf. Um, and there's the majority of your 75% of your main cast in this, in this movie is deaf. And there's challenges there that you, you that just feel like they were seamlessly brushed off. So I think she's done an excellent job and created an excellent film with Coda. If you're interested in, in that story, there are lots of good podcasts. If you did a search for, for on how they worked with, with the deaf cast and the translators and, and all the, the effort that went into making that such a, a genuine film, um, really worthwhile. Just doing a little bit of further research to check that out because yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, great film as well. I, I'm a little bit, I might hold off a little bit, but I'm a little bit yeah, concerned. Yeah, no, we, so, we, yeah, we'll keep going, keep going. We do have things to say about <laughs> all these films. Look, you, you sent me a list of the categories, and next on that list was best actress. So that's the order we're going in, Jesse. Um, best actress is is a massive gap for me because there's actually only one film of these that I've actually seen. And Grant, and luckily that this actress was excellent in it, so she gets my vote. But the five nominees are Jessica Chastain from the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, obviously it's it's best actress, so Olivia Coleman's got to get a gig um, <laughs> in The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart from Twilight, nah, from uh, from Spencer. <laughs> so <laughs> they are <laughs> categories. <laughs> You wouldn't be confused Who wins? if um, you, you switched in and watched uh, Spencer and thought you were watching Twilight. So, um, oh. <laughs> so the same performance that she gives in everything that she does. Um, anyway, oh, I, no. I, I, I've got a little bit more context behind this because I have smashed out a few um, in the last week just to sort of catch up. But this, this is one of the frustrations. I, I really wanted to see um, Parallel Mothers, which uh, Penelope Cruz is in. And I saw a trailer for it when I saw Licorice Pizza at the, at the cinemas. I was like, oh, this looks good. And then obviously started hearing more and more about it. But um, yeah, I haven't had the chance. So I can't give context on that. And the same with uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think that's only just hit uh, Disney Plus over here in Australia. So I haven't had the chance to watch that one yet. But I think um, from what I can see, Jessica Chastain is the clear favourite uh, for, mm. for, to win this award. But uh, it's hard, and I know you've only got the the one actress to look at, Olivia Coleman. I think she won the BAFTA for for this role, uh, and obviously the the BAFTAs are British, so possibly a little bit of uh, bias towards that decision. Uh, Nicole Kidman was fantastic in being the Ricardos, mm-hmm. and and for me that was probably her best performance in quite a long time. Um, if you can ignore the the, eye, the fake eyebrows they give her just to make her look a bit like Lucille Ball um, in, in being the Ricardos. Like she owns that film um, as well as obviously um, Javier Bardem as well in that film. But without her performance, this this film doesn't work. And and I think it, it helps in that film uh, of being the Ricardos that she doesn't need to try and be um, Lucille Ball in the film. There's a couple of, of scenes where she plays, uh, like they, they cut to black and white and she reenacts moments from the show, which... She's spot on with her um, improvisations and, and, and interpretations of that character. But it's nice to see Nicole Kidman be able to be a character without needing to worry about trying to mimic that character. And I think she mm. gives her own touch to it really well. So um, uh, as much as I'd love her to win it, I don't think she will. But I, I think I'm uh, the only one that you've seen, Olivia Coleman. She was fantastic in Lost Daughter. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing her win that. Yeah. Look, Nicole Kidman is a sneaky $3.50 second favourite. It's certainly 
you know, looking at the the odds, it's certainly not like it's game over. And uh, I feel like it's flown under the radar a little bit, particularly in Australia. They normally do like to give that a bit of a pump up when we've got some, we do have a couple of Australians nominated this year, but um, it's a glowing endorsement from Nicole Kidman. Um, and being the Ricardos, as I said, is a movie I would like to see. Olivia Coleman, as you said, The Lost Order was a movie that was one of those movies that I enjoyed. You finish watching and go, that was a good movie and you really don't want to rush to put it back on. It's, you know, that that sort of uncomfortable feeling that you get watching a movie, but a great character study. And, and that movie doesn't work at all without Olivia Coleman. So um, it would be it would be a fitting result if she did win it. Um, but I'd be <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to um, to talk down about any other roles. So we'll see where that one lands. But and she, and she was fantastic last year in The Father with um, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Like the, thinking back to last year's awards, that's a, that that stood out to me. Her performance in that as well. So. It's just nice to see a consistency and, you know, like this, that role is a hard role to play. Um, yeah, so was. much emotion and so much, um, especially, and I know like, the, the flashbacks in that film aren't played by Olivia Coleman, but the, the performance that she delivers in that, it, uh, I think she does deserve some recognition there. I agree. Yeah, she's, she's like, is she good? Is she bad? She's checked. She's got to check it past, but she's trying to do the right thing. But I, there's, there's so many complexities, as you said, that, that's why you walk away feeling a little bit exhausted watching the film. Um, who didn't get nominated, Jesse? That uh, you think should have? Uh, this is this is an interesting one. So, uh, I, you go first. You go first. I want to hear what you're what you're going to think because my well, no, I, 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 I had oh, I had a lot of issues because and, and this might maybe more to do with my viewing habits or my other theory is maybe there just weren't there's not enough great roles leading roles for women that I've seen. So I'm going to, my vote goes, I've, I've got two people I want to mention. The main one being Alana Haim from Licorice Pizza. I don't think, I don't think that she should win Best Actress. I thought she was great. And I thought she really helped be the heartbeat of that film. Um, and I thought it was a really good performance. I don't think it's one of those performances that you're going to look back on and go, how amazing was she? But I thought she was really, really good. Um, the other one that I want to mention, and this is this is me coming out. Um, this is me coming out, out very personal. It's not the kind of thing that um, people are going to expect as any sort of Oscar movie. But I don't want to lose sight of the fact that it is my own personal opinion, and I want to make sure that I'm represented on this list. I want to I want to nominate Sadie Sink. <laughs> For Fear Street 1978. You know, I love the Fear Street movies. I thought I thought they were excellent. And I actually thought Sadie Sink was fantastic in that second film. That second film was a lot of fun being at the the the, the basically the summer vacation camp. And uh, and she had this she had this energy about her that that really that really um, carried the film. So it's not a very exciting one, but it was a great movie for me. And and Sadie Sink was excellent in it. So that's where I'm at. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a a film that got nothing uh, for pretty much all the awards uh, season, and that's The Last Jewel, um, which starred Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Adam Driver. So my uh, my person that I think that that should have been given some sort of love that had an amazing performance was uh, Jodie Cormar. She played character Marguerite in The Last Jewel, and 
And anyone that's seen that film knows it's sort of broken into three sections to show the different perspective of the Ben Affleck's character, Matt Damon's character and her character. And, and she's that common thread throughout and um, a really powerful performance that um, runs so well with the themes of that feel with of the, the themes of the film that um, more needs to be done by men. Men need to be better. And, and she highlights that through her performance and, and the way that um, the female gender were treated in the past, but obviously reflecting what's going on in the current time too. So that's my pick. Good. Good movie. Last Jewel. I, lo- I really enjoyed The Last Jewel. Yeah. 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 All right. We move on to Best Actor. We got Javier Bardem from Being the Ricardos. We got Benedict Cumberbatch from The Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Will Smith, King Richard. And Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Some big names there. There are some very big names. Um, this, this again, I think, so all of these are films that I've seen, which is good. I think Will Smith's yep. clear favourite. A uh, lot of, he's been doing the press rounds. He's been pumping it out. And he, he obviously is campaigning hard for this award. So uh, I think it's going to be hard to, to go against him. But again, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch was great in Power of the Dog. I think that's sort of uh, maybe released a little bit early can't like to be in the campaign so that's probably gone off a little bit for him for me as good as Denzel was in the tragedy of Macbeth that that, that film um you know hasn't touched as many bases as it possibly could have Javier Bardem was good and Nicole Kidman sort of outshines him in that so my uh who I'd like to win in this I'd love Andrew Garfield from Tick Tick Boom I thought his mm. performance in that that film held that whole film together um I didn't know that musical before seeing it on Netflix didn't um, have any context behind what was going on, but, uh, you know, his singing was good. His dancing was good. He was just a relatable character, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Mate, I, I do agree with you there. It's, um, he, was, he was electric in that movie, Andrew Garfield. And this is a, this is a stacked category. Um, I had a lot of trouble trying to separate Andrew Garfield and Benedict Cumberbatch. In fact, when I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, at that time, it was probably my favourite movie of the year. And I was like, Andrew Garfield wins the Oscar. It was as simple as that. And then probably a month later, maybe not even a month later, I watched Power of the Dog. And that was probably my favourite movie of the year. And I thought, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be bloody hard to beat in the Oscar. Now, all the while, this Will Smith talk was happening anyway. Um, I thought Will Smith was good. I, I don't think his performance is as good as as Cumberbatch and Garfield. Um with that said, I love Will Smith and it'd be great to see him win an Oscar, so I'm okay with it. But I'm actually going to slide my vote to Benedict Cumberbatch just by an absolute whisker. I think that that um, character study of his character in Power of the Dog was just absolutely fascinating. Before the twist in that film, which is a brilliant twist, um, that, was an, that was a fascinating character study. And that's what I was enjoying so much about the film is like, this guy, like this is this is an old school bully who's got his own issues, trying to sort himself out, trying to figure out where he fits in, masquerading as the toughest man around. It was it was fascinating, and he did such a good job. So he does get my vote there. But I have to say, my my pick for the person who wasn't nominated that should have been, if I had my way, I would have him winning the whole thing. Good, good, good. Um, I'll just add a quick one in because I know we've been talking uh, quite a lot already and I, I know I don't want to bore people, but a bit of an Australian bias here. Just for a little bit of recognition, uh, there's an Australian film that sort of hit a few of the circuits called Nitrum and the performance from um, Caleb Landry-Jones in that 
was exceptional. Uh, that film did not work without him. So just as a little bit of a um, one in the background there, I, I think he needs some recognition for uh, the the retelling of of horrific events in Tasmania and Australia and, you know, an American that comes out to Australia to make a film and the, that performance was uh, as as much as you want to hate that character, he added a little mm. bit of soul to that character. Yeah, no, I agree. I wanted to put Caleb Landry Jones as my honourable mention as well, um, but I couldn't go past Simon Rex. Simon Rex in Red Rocket was the best performance this year and I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. That, that he was incredible in in Red Rocket. Um, the movie was great. I, I just can't not think that it was to do with how much he smashed that out of the park. Especially considering for me, he's just this guy from Scary Movie three and four, who's just like a joke of an actor. Um, and I, he was just exceptional. And um, I can't wait to watch that movie again. Brilliant. He's just literally picked his career up off the ground. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to say that yet, but Sean Baker, love his. His work, especially the Florida Project, which got a couple of nominations a couple of years ago for Willem Dafoe um, in Best Supporting Actor, I think it was. But yeah, I'm keen to see that. So pumped it up for me. I like it. Good, good. So Best Supporting Actress. I have seen all of these, which is nice. Uh, Jesse Buckley, Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. Judy Dench, Belfast. Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. Anjanu Ellis, King Richard. Yeah, as bad as it sounds, this is the category where I find it really hard to separate the performances. Um, you know, Judy Dench plays that role that you see her often play, and it's almost like that she's at that stage of the career where she can she could be on the screen for five minutes and would probably get a nom. Um, <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that in a, in a, a negative way, but that, that the the charisma that she brings to the screen, uh, yeah. and you know, Kirsten Dunst was was excellent in that film as well, but. Um, I'm, I'm a bit torn because I know that you're not a massive fan of this film, but I'm going to go with um, Ariana DeVos from West Side Story because I think she brought lots of heart to that film and a, and a performance that was, was better than the, the main character in that film. So um, that's where I'm going. She was in, on reflection, she was probably the scene stealer in most of the big scenes sings, dances, does it all. No, it was a great performance from her. She's actually paying a dollar oh eight to win it. Oh, well. She's um pretty hot favourite. Well for yeah, me especially, it's actually sorry, you know, I was just gonna say especially that scene go. towards the end of West Side Story where they where she's in the the shop with all the men and it's just a really impactful scene. So I'm sure that's probably the clip we're gonna see um at the Oscars. Hundred percent. And that's that's what stands out. That's that's yeah. her her grand final. Um, for me, I was surprised to see that Jesse Buckley is actually the last last favourite of these five. And I think this goes hand in hand with what we're talking about with Olivia Coleman and that, that character being so complex. Jesse Buckley's almost got a more difficult job because she has to stay true to a character that we've just spent 45 minutes on screen with already, understanding now this is what she used to be and this is how she became who she was. And again, she just absolutely nails it. She... Um, she, she captures the essence of a character, but also the sort of more young, free, uh, a little bit rebellious side of her without really taking away from the, the 20 year old, 20 year older woman that we've been spending most of the time with. And I think it would have been so difficult. Uh, and I thought she was excellent. She's a really good actress um, off the back of, I'm thinking of ending things and um, what was a bloody um, Chernobyl. Um, last year so she's 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 running hot at the moment Jesse Buckley so 
Do you have someone else you'd like to slip into the best supporting actress category? Please? Um, I guess I'll put in um in here. This is another being the Ricardos mention. Um, Linda Lavin plays Madeline Pugh on on the show. Like, Madeline Pugh's a character from um, I Love Lucy, and her she's got some great moments in in this film uh, alongside Nicole Kidman and alongside JK Simmons, who we'll probably mention in a couple of moments too, but she adds a lot of heart to that film and, and a lot of strength throughout. So um, that's my pick there. Nice. Um, for me, anybody who has seen Black Widow knows that Florence Pugh, um, <laughs> she definitely had every right to be nominated for that role. Uh, she's brought a character out of absolutely nowhere and, all of a sudden I get a feeling this is going to be quite a big prominent feature in the MCU. And uh, I was obsessed with Florence Pugh in this movie. She, she absolutely stole it. I know it's not the historical movie you'd expect to get nominated for, for best supporting actress, but uh, talent's talent. It doesn't matter where it lands. So that's my pick. Yeah. Good. Best supporting actor. We've got Kieran Hines, Belfast, Troy Kotzer, Coda, Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos, Cody Smith McPhee, Power of the Dog, just to make sure we have four Power of the Dog actors nominated mm-hmm. in a movie where there's probably not many more than four speaking roles. So it's <laughs> a testament. What do you reckon, Jesse? Uh, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. So uh, Jesse Plemons is Jesse Plemons. J.K. Simmons is J.K. Simmons. Um, Belfast. It's Belfast. So the only two here that I'd really want to talk about is Cody Smith McPhee, who had that early buzz and is so deserving of um, an award. But I think he's at that age where he's a little bit too young, uh, which is really unfortunate because he does such a good job in this role in this film. Um, he, he adds so much, uh, I guess, it's really hard. I don't even know how to, to, to put it in words, but without his actions throughout the film, the whole the payoff doesn't work. So on reflection, you go back and look and go, the performance from this kid is actually mm. exceptional. Um, but in saying that, the the, the clear favourite obviously is uh, Troy Kotzer from from Coda, and deservedly so. Like that, I think my thoughts after watching Coda were that dad made me a bubble like a bubbling mess. I was like crying everywhere. So to to get the tears from a performance and a performance that is a performance that you don't usually see on the screen from from a, a deaf actor. So um, credit where credit's due. I think the the tables have turned a bit, and this is his to lose. I can't split them. I, like the yeah. other three, as you said, are just making up the numbers. Everything yeah. you said about Cody Smith McPhee is, is true. Like he he kind of is the twist of the film, and yeah, he has yeah. to get everything right to make it that way. And you have to be able to believe it, and you have to be able to believe it on reflection, not at the time. Like it's 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 almost a perfect performance. Um, and everything you said about Troy Kutzer is exactly the same as me. Like, how could you not watch that? Like, this is one of, this is the toughest one for me because we're going to end the day with, I'm so glad that one of these guys won it and man, it sucks that one of these guys didn't win it because they were both absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't know why I'm, I'm giving it to Cody McPhee. And I think I'm kind of glad that you gave it to Troy Kotzer then because <laughs> we could split it because I can't, I just can't split it. But um, in fact, they're very different. Like Troy Kotzer being like the absolute heartbeat of an incredibly, you know, emotionally uplifting film and Cody Smith being 
you know, the through line of a, a brilliant tale with a great twist. Like they do very different things, but they just, neither of them put a foot wrong. Um, just wonderful. Um, yeah. I don't know who you'd want to put into that category. Whoever it is, isn't going to win it, but <laughs> would, you, would you slip in there? Uh, I was I was contemplating. I was like Jonah Hill from Don't Look Up. Like I, I really enjoyed that performance, just to, just in the context of that film. But I'm going to go with a bit of a, a way out there one from uh, the 2021 film Candyman. Uh, the the character of William. So um, I, I don't know if anyone's even seen this film, but William Burke is played by Coleman Domingo. Uh, very very important character in the film uh doesn't have an awful lot of, of screen time but without him this film doesn't work and the the transition of his character i try not to spoil stuff because i know you want to see this film um the transition <laughs> of his character throughout the film is exceptionally done and that's where i'll leave it up <laughs> nice nice yeah look i've i have two on a, one of them i just i do quickly want to mention anthony lapalia in Nitrum. it was a very subtle yeah. performance but but incredibly well done. Again, we've got this very complicated story about some pretty severe mental health. And as an Australian audience, everyone's watching this movie knowing the, the devastating finale that's coming. And, and you, you see this father figure that you kind of get. He's not doing the wrong thing, but he's trying to do the right thing for his son. He's absolutely defeated. I thought he was great in a really subtle, small sort of way. And I just want to give him a little shout out. I think my official pick would be Robin Day Jesus from from Tick Tick Boom, who's um, Andrew Garfield's best friend, and I, I just I found I connected to him throughout the entire movie. We're following one man's story basically, and this is almost like a, the sub story of the movie that ties into the, the main story. And, and he just brings so much to every scene that he's in, so much power and. Um, that emotional presence he has with some really big issues. I thought it was brilliant. I've never, if I've seen him before, I hadn't noticed him before. And I was just watching him thinking, this guy should get nominated during that whole film. I was like, this is, this is your man. So um, I thought he was great. Lovely. All right. We've still got a few categories to go, but I'm saying we're probably going to be a bit quicker through these ones. So. Yeah, we get, we'll, cause we'll touch on these ones at the end anyway, but original screenplay. Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, The Worst Person in the World. What's going to win it for you? Haven't seen The Worst Person in the World, so that's the one that I have to scrub out and have no context with. King Richard is just your generic adaptation of a feel-good story. Um, It's not an adaptation, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know what I mean. Don't Look Up was good for what it was. Um, Belfast, again, it's the, the same generic sort of thing. So I've got to go with Licorice Pizza for this because of Paul Thomas Anderson's ability to put characters in situations. And it was like a, it was a hang movie, really. And it's almost like oh, yeah. a Tarantino-esque sort of film where they're little vignettes almost that all come together to, to give you a context over that time. And I think that screenplay worked really well. That's my vote as well, Jesse. He just this ability to be able to create this this world that you just you want to be in and you want to hang out in. Um, it's 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 not an easy job, and he he probably does it as good as anybody. Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, anything that you'd want to pop in there into that category? I chuck in Malcolm and Marie, uh, which was a absolute did like that. on Netflix. I loved that film, um, and it was literally a COVID film where Zendaya and um, Chris Washington. We're literally in a house together 
it's those two characters, that was it. And it was just about their relationship and some of the lines and the dialogue and the performances between the two, that was an excellent, excellent um, narrative for me. I haven't meant to check that out ever since you've raved about it. My, my, my choice is controversial here because are, are we calling Inside by Bo Burnham a movie? I think it's grey, um, but I, I am calling it a movie. I think it's got enough components of a movie. And if that's the case, I think it is one of the best original screenplays of the year, screenplay being a loose term. Um, but I was obsessed with that. It was one of the best things I watched in 2021. If you're not allowing me to do that, my vote is going to be for Swan Song which was written and directed cool. by Benjamin Cleary, uh, Mahershala Ali. Really good movie, cool. really good premise. Yeah. He's a so, Yeah, give it a look. As is about thousand other movies. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot. <laughs> Coda, Drive My Car, June, The Lost Daughter, Power of the Dog. I love June, um, but I don't think it, it should, should win in this category. I think that Drive My Car, I'm familiar with... Um, Let's see a Japanese author's name. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'm familiar with his work as well, and I think that was excellent. I, I'm just going to skip through. I think Corridor should should definitely win this. For I think it's is it based on a French film? Is it adapted? I didn't actually. Think, know. I didn't even know until we did this that it was adapted. Yeah, it's adapted. I think it's from a French, a French, a French speaking language. It might be from Belgium, um, and I'm pretty sure it's an adaptation of another film where they've changed it to an American setting. So, I think that film works really, really well. That's fair. I can't vote for it because I, I gave the, the director credit because I thought the screenplay probably didn't jump off the page as well as, as well as her direction. So I'm going to go for Power of the Dog here and be a little bit boring, probably for all the reasons that we've talked about Power of the Dog so far. Um, and my pick that wasn't nominated was, was Tick, Tick, Boom. And I was actually disappointed it wasn't nominated um, because I thought it was a great adapted screenplay. I'm going to go with another Lin-Manuel Miranda Um uh, film anyway in the heights so the adaptation of his own musical that he did i loved that musical and thought it was excellent and i think that uh that worked really well for me all right last category before we jump into best picture animated feature encanto flea luca the mitchells versus the machines and raya and the last drag interesting uh selection here so i haven't seen flea i'm not sure if uh if you've seen Flea. Neither have I. No. Okay. I think it, that's been, that's nominated for best international film as well as best documentary. So three Correct. nominations. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, a, a pretty big feat to be able to, to make it across all of those. So well done. I've, I've seen all the others. Have you seen all the others? I haven't seen Luca. Haven't seen Luca. Okay. Um, so I, and I mean the, the buzz that you can't get past is, is in Canto and, and how big that sort of been uh, the last six months or so it's pretty much like it didn't do very well at cinemas and then it hit disney plus and it's sort of got this this following a bit like the frozen song sort of did and, and obviously the we don't talk about bruno song that's mm. topped the charts around the world which is, is a huge surprise because to me that that song's probably like the fourth best song in that film and and i completely understand why it wasn't put forward to be nominated for best uh, best song at the oscars because it, it's not the best song mm. in that film so uh, it's nice i think i hear that there's possibly going to be a performance of it during the broadcast which uh i did hear that will uh, sort of get a few more eyeballs on the screen, I guess. I think Mitchell's and the Machine was a great original idea, but but for me, and Raya was a great film, but for me, Luca um, is the one that I would have picked to win this because to me, Luca out of all these films is the one with the most heart, the one that made me cry, <laughs> and the one that just 
the the location and the settings, even though it's hundred percent a fictional, imaginary, imaginative sort of world that you know wouldn't happen in real life. The the parallels of friendship and just just being human is it's such a beautiful film. So Luca for me, even though I know it's not going to win. <laughs> my God, now I have to watch it. I didn't realize it was chock full of art. Uh, oh, that's mate. my kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, the Encanto stuff. I thought Encanto was good. I thought the songs were pretty good. That was it. I'm surprised by the buzz. Um, for me, this was really close between Mitchell's versus the Machines and Raya and the Last Dragon. I really enjoyed Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, I just I loved the the that that history of the, um, the the Chinese culture and the dragons and the way that was brought to life. I thought it was excellent. But Mitchell's versus the Machines is one of the best movies I watched last year. That that ability to to make this a movie about understanding, in this case, your family, and letting them be who they want to be and and prosper that way, I thought it was fantastic. I was I was I couldn't believe how good this movie was, and yeah, I'm disappointed to see that Encanto paying a dollar oh six to take out this award because I just don't think it's in the same category. Um, and and you know what, out of I don't think I haven't actually seen any other animated movies this year to put another thing in, unless you want to count Space Jam as animated. In which case, I still don't really want to put it in there. So. <laughs> the same. So the Space Jam and Clifford the Big Red Dog have got some animation in it that I've seen. The only other two that I could think of that I've seen was Bebo, which is a musical animated film by Lin Manuel Miranda as well. That it was a Sony film that Netflix took over for a bit, and it's about a uh, a bird trying to get to a concert. <laughs> Best way of putting it. Uh, that wasn't bad. And the other one that I saw was Boss Baby too. And neither oh, of them gosh. are, uh, are going to get a mention in with these. <laughs> All right, let's get to the big stuff. Before we go, I want to we'll talk talk through our top ten in order. Go from ten to one. Jesse, I just want to ask you a question because I do see you log things on Letterbox, and I've sort of seen you log these ten films as they've come through, and I just recall seeing some really high ratings would you say this is this is like a a a bumper pack of 10 movies for you yeah i think everything out of five i've given four or more for for these 10 films so um some really good films this year which is which is great yeah which is really good um yeah but i mean if movies like spencer had made it in there then that's gonna throw it all out because that was (laughs) (laughs) it didn't make it it so what's what's number 10 for you Number 10 for me is uh, King Richard. I think uh, while Will Smith's performance is fantastic, I think, and he made, to me, what was a, a pretty unlikable story likable. Um, and that's that's just me based on the story and, and my enjoyment in it. But I still, you know, I still thought it was an excellent film, really well done, mm. had lots of heart and enjoyed the moments of the recreations of the tennis matches. But at the same time, um, to me, that's right at the bottom. That's fair. I kind of got it in three tiers. I've got like the, the bottom three for me were films that didn't really connect with. And then the next the next three are probably like, yeah, they were pretty good. I liked them. They were pretty good. And the next four, really, really enjoyed them. So number 10 for me is West Side Story. The only movie that really didn't hit the mark for me. I'm, I'm coming from a position where I don't know the original. So I'm judging it from a story perspective as well as a... Uh, adaptation perspective i suppose so there's probably some things that i've missed there i just i just never connected with it i never cared for any of the characters i still can't understand the logic of meeting someone and then two nights later finding out that person 
kills your brother, but you still love him. Like that doesn't work for me. Uh, and I love a love story as much as anybody, but West Side Story is number 10 for me. Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll go with nine. Yep. Number nine, again, June didn't really work for me either. Coming in fresh. I didn't mind it. And I think I can see myself getting into the overall series of it, but it felt to me like a two and a half hour prologue trying to set up this world, which they did well. I think they did it well, but I don't think that means it's the best movie of the year. So yeah. what do you me, have at nine? In at nine over, I've got Belfast, I think. And this is probably just me comparing my love for Roma. I thought Roma was such an excellent, excellent film and not taking away from Belfast's uh, creative um, choices in, in going in black and white and, you know, the, the colour scenes are, are through the eyes of the child, generally during through the cinema. And I know this is a real personal story for Kenneth Branagh and I think it's great that he he made this film. I think, like, you know, they during lockdown, they literally had an, an airport runway that they just built the sets on and they were able to, to make this film, uh, which is, which is <laughs> such a such a good story. And um, I've listened to lots of lots of interviews with the cast and with him and 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 the, it's hard when you make a film through the eyes of a child and I, I had this issue with um the boy in the striped pajama where it, it's really really <clears throat> like the what's going on in belfast and, and you know it might be connecting a lot now with what's going on in, in ukraine and, and with russia the the idea of conflict and, and civil unrest but but to me um this is and I, I like this film i still like this film just i think yeah, in comparison yeah, to roma that's why it sits uh, so low for me yeah that's fair what do you got number eight Number eight, I've got Don't Look Up. I feel it uh, was a great commentary. It was it was probably a little bit uh, overlong and uh, you know a little bit padded out. And I completely understand why this, there's a, there's a lot of hatred for this film because it, it's a very um, niche sort of comedy or niche sort of commentary that you've got to be in on it to enjoy it. And if you're not in on it straight away, then you're going to sit through that and go, "That's the worst two and a half hours of my life." Um, but I, I thought it was a really great commentary on society where we're at and the ability that even though it wasn't uh, made around COVID, it was, it's made around like climate change and global warming, mm. just the, the, the parallels that you can take in with, with other world topics. I, I really appreciated that. I have Don't Look Up at number eight as well. Um, and I don't think I disliked the movie as much as I was disappointed as what I was hoping for it to be. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. For me, I was, I was so in and out of this movie all of a sudden there'd be a 10 minute sequence where i'd be like what the hell this movie has just changed its tone completely and i just i kept getting lost and i'd be looking at my wife and i'd be like what the hell they, what's what's going on here so and then it wins you back but then it goes off again it was just a little bit all over the place for me so number eight is don't look up and to be honest number seven is belfast for almost the exact same reasons as you i liked it i thought belfast was good i don't think it was incredible um i maybe didn't connect with it as much as other people I went to the cinemas to see it. And I think the average age was about 77 years old. So um, maybe not necessarily for me, but um, yeah, I thought it was good without being great. Um, what do you got at number seven? I've got West Side Story in here. So it already appeared on your list. I, I, I did enjoy this film. I, I had the context of the story. I think when I was in high school, our high school put the play on with our sister school. And so I, I knew the story quite well. I know the songs fairly well. I've seen the, the original film. I think, I really thought that the, the costumes um, and the choreography in this were were amazing. And the way that Spielberg used that camera to uh, get as much of that in as possible while moving it and and keeping that 
that flow going off it was excellent and and the, the themes and the ideas in it and I, I mentioned this privately to you in a chat I think last night or something that to me that the topics of like gun violence and racial divisions and gentrification and these ideas that, that you know from a, a 60s playbook are still so relevant and and I appreciated the way that they were adapted into make it making it relevant for today sadly they definitely are <laughs> um yeah what was that was that your number six that was seven, so it's my turn for six. So six, yeah. Six for me is June. So I've got I've, I saw June with you at the cinema. So we we saw June together, and I I thought it was visually stunning. I mean, I had pretty high expectations based on my knowledge of the the eighties version of it, where I think the the first half of that was great. The second half was a, a mess. So there's lots of um, I'm, I've got lots of hope and faith in um, Denny Villano to continue this this story into the second part and do it justice and. To me, yeah, I just just watching that in a cinema. I don't think there's any other way that you could have seen that film, and, and to me, that justifies it being nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Look, number six for me is King Richard, and again, I think I've already spoken about it, and you've sort of covered it as well. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie. Didn't jump off the page. Um, fair to say, I thought the tennis was actually really good in it. It's always difficult to get sport in a film and make it look good, and the tennis the tennis did look really good. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. But number five for me, which I was tossing up between these two for five and six, was uh, is Nightmare Alley. Um, I enjoyed Nightmare Alley. I thought it was a wonderful tone. Um, I thought they they captured and created this world. It looked beautiful. Um, I thought the first half of the film was really engaging. I almost would have rather see a whole film in the uh, in the um, carnival, um, really dark carnival. I really enjoyed that. The story just kind of got a little bit lost to me in the back half. I, I kind of drifted off a little bit and um, wasn't overly satisfied with the ending. But it's a good film. It's a good film. Um, that's why it's number five on my list. Cool. I've, I've gone to my five. I've got Licorice Pizza, which I you know, thoroughly enjoyed. I think that it's a great film that deserves a rewatch, probably multiple rewatches. And I mentioned before, it's, it's just got that vibe of a Tarantino film and the, the idea of running in this, I, I really, really enjoyed, especially towards the end, the, the bringing together of these two characters. Um, yeah, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is just so good at what he does and it's hard not to acknowledge that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We're in the and, top four now. Yeah, so that leads me into number four, which for me is Nightmare Alley. I, I actually, I really love this film. I, it was so much better than I thought. I thought Bradley Cooper was great. I get Kate Blanchett's character was, was pretty polarising. Um but it just had so much under the surface that I think it's been a little bit underappreciated this award season. And I think I definitely want to rewatch. I want to want to see it again, just to pick up on all these, these little themes and ideas throughout, which they're not an easy thing to put into a film and make them mm. connect when you get to that end. And that, that final scene, I'm not going to spoil it for that final scene, just brought it all around for me. So yeah, that's what I've got for. That's great. And at four for me, I've got Licorice Pizza, which means we've got the same top three and we don't know mm. the order yet, but Licorice Pizza, I loved it. So as I said, my top four, loved all these movies. Hard to separate them. Um, just enjoyed hanging out with these characters. Enjoyed the fact that someone wants to make a movie about those moments. And it's what it is. It doesn't have to be more than that. Um, I thought it was beautiful. It was such a great experience watching this movie. But now we go to the top three and they're three really, really good films. And number three for me, I've already talked about it enough, so I'm just going to say it. It's Power of the Dog. Loved it. I'm more than happy for Power of the Dog to win the Oscar, but um, it's number three for me. No more to say. 
What's number exactly, three for you? Exactly the same for me. And I, I agree. I think it's going to win um, and well worthy of a winner. I think it, this film is worth it for that twist. So I haven't rewatched it, but it's probably going to be worth a rewatch to see if it's as impactful mm-hmm. the second time around. Um, yeah. All right. Top two. Uh-huh. So. Two wow, this me. is nuts. I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> two for me is Coda. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. This, this film to me felt so real. It was like watching a real family and their struggles. And if you can put performances on screen that make you feel like you are actually watching real life, then there's not much more you can do with a film. And like I mentioned before, the, the performance, the dad in this film is just exceptional. Like just so heartwarming to watch this film. Top notch. Um, and I think with the preferential, so all the, all the other awards that we've covered are just ballot whereas this one the best picture is preferential so as you go down you knock films out and then they take the votes for the, for the next one up etc so that's its one chance to get best picture at the oscars i think it's still a chance code is paying two dollars ten at the moment to power the dogs one dollar seventy two that's tight that is tight that is, that's a lot closer than i thought um number two for me and geez i couldn't i could barely split them but i'm glad i've done it this way because they're a little bit different Number two is Drive My Car. And I loved it. Man, I loved I I want to watch this movie again. I went and saw it in the cinema. I sat there for three hours. It didn't feel anything like three hours. And I just, you know what? This movie goes for 45 minutes and then the opening credits come. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was so cool. Okay, there's your 45-minute start. Off we go. Um, I just, there's so much about this film that, that I just loved. And I want to watch it again and dissect it. It was... It was amazing. But the reason I've given Coda number one, and this is purely because this is just how I am, is it hit me emotionally like very few movies have done in the past. And that means a lot to me when I'm watching a movie. I I just, I was similar to you. I was a blubbering mess for all the right reasons at the end of this film. And what a, what a wonderful way to leave a movie. That's exactly how you want to feel. I was so, you know, I know when I watched Coda, you'd already seen it. And I was so tempted to message you for like a day. I was just trying, I just want to say, like, Jesse, tell me one reason why this isn't a five-star movie. And I, <laughs> I just, and that's still how I feel about it. I very rarely give a movie five stars after one watch. I find it very difficult to. Um, but both Drive My Car and Coda, after watching them, like, I'm sorry, they're both five-star movies. Loved them both. And um, yeah, Coda was brilliant. But your number one was... Was driving my car, obviously. So yeah, this film just lingers, and like I said, th- the the long runtime, it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter one little bit because this idea of confrontation that you're going to get that you don't get, it's not. It's just so subtle. This film that um, the layers upon layers, like you mentioned, it's definitely worth a rewatch at some stage. And um, I think I, I think I messaged you after you'd seen. It. I was like, I know what a lamprey is now after after seeing this film. So <laughs> it's, it's educational as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a great film. It's not going to win Best Picture, but that's my best best film out of these ten. Paying sixty seven dollars for the Best Picture. So you know, every every year. So my birthday's in June. So birthday June Christmas is in, obviously in December. So I've got like my six month gaps for for presents. And every birthday and Christmas, I, I always ask for one Blu Ray or DVD. And Christmas is normally like what was my favorite movie that year. I got to own it. And uh, I am already hanging out to get Drive My Car on Blu-ray. It's, uh, it's, it's all lined up there for, for for me for June. I can't wait to watch it again. Excellent. Well, um, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Any other things about the, the award ceremony or anything you wanted to add in? Not really, mate. It's great to actually chat about it and get your thoughts. And now I'm looking forward to just tucking into it. I've actually got the day off work on Monday to watch it, nice. not to watch it. I've got a day off work for another mm-hmm. reason. It's aligned perfectly. Um, 
because in Australia it's like 11 a.m. when we watch it. So normally I got to turn like phone off and stuff and then watch it at night time. But I'm going to watch it live and cool. I can't wait. How about you? Good news. Yeah, I um I'm looking forward to to the day. I think the th- probably thing like June is probably I think in the box seat to win six Academy Awards. So I think it's that's going to win a lot. I yeah, I saw that. that. So I reckon that's like just something to take away that it's probably, you know, that's might win the most Oscars out of any film um, at the awards. And that's, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I think the only no other categories thing, that we spoke about today, no, none that we spoke about. And I think the only other thing I've like the, there's a short film called the long goodbye, um, which is directed by Riz Ahmed, who uh, was nominated last year is, is was in Nightcrawler, great actor. Um, and if you haven't, let's check that that short film out or the, the video clip, music video clip, if you can, if you're interested in, in just finding ex- an accessible short film because it's worth the watch. Oh, good heads up. Cool. Well, um, it's been, like you've mentioned, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. It's been good fun to do something a little bit different and, and sort of just chat about our movie-going experience over the last few months. So, as always, uh, thank you. We're on social media. If you want to let us know any of your predictions, feel free to. Um, we're back normally for a normal episode, as always, on a Wednesday. We've got a over 200 episodes so there'll be something that you'll probably have seen somewhere so jump on give us a search and um thank you mj for a great chat thank you mate i had a lot of fun i've been hanging out to to chat to you about this all week so um glad we got it done and now let's uh bring on the academy awards sounds good all right enjoy and best of luck to everyone that's it see you next time